sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast the election of Zali Stegel OAM to the federal seat of Warringah was one of the very few bright spots in the last Australian election. Since then, she has demonstrated the integrity and independence that the voters of Warringah were clearly crying out for. She has become an important figure on the Australian political scene, standing up for the values of integrity and sustainability that are so sadly in abeyance on the Australian political scene. It's an honour to speak to her on Environmental as Anything today. Well, Zali Stegel, thank you very much for joining Environmental as Anything. My pleasure. You have been very busy since you've uh, toppled Phony Tony from Moringa. Um, but this week in particular, uh, it appears the Parliament has been uh, going through quite a bit of uh, shenanigans around the EPBC Act. Could you uh, give us the news on the EPBC Act from yesterday? Yeah, look, I've just come back from a sitting fortnight and we have to also acknowledge we haven't had much opportunity to scrutinise what the government is doing because of um, many uh, fortnights of Parliament being um, uh, cancelled. So that that is has been a problem, that proper scrutiny. But we were there for the last two weeks and there's been some very controversial legislation. Yep. You know, on the good side, we had extending JobKeeper, but on the bad side, we had very bad legislation on the EPBC Act. So that's the Environment Protection, Biodiversity and Conservation Act. Uh, it, it's had an interim review report released where uh, Graham Samuels has acknowledged that we're doing extremely poorly in our protection of biodiversity. Uh, it is in decline uh, and we need to strengthen our environmental laws. So unfortunately, what did Minister Lee decide to do? She introduced legislation that decreases protections uh, seeks to accelerate the approval process for developers and projects like mines to get approval. Um, and uh, it, the legislation failed to have any national environmental standards, which were the main recommendation that Graham Samuels had made in his interim report. So really bad legislation. Mm. And um, look, what was worse was the way the government pushed it through. So they introduced it in... Uh, Parliament in the lower house uh, on the Thursday. They let it have about two hours of debate, which is very little for a, a significant legislation of this type. Absolutely. They then get, they use their numbers to gag essentially the debate, so to stop anyone else that wanted to speak on it and move it on to a second reading vote, at which time uh, the normal process is that you can move amendments to specific clauses, and I had, uh, in accordance with standing orders, circulated the amendments that I wanted to move, which included the provision of national environmental standards, which is what is recommended in the report, yep. and uh, omitting the section that the government is proposing to uh, hand over decisions in relation to water rights to the states. Right. Now, we know water is a precious commodity and resource, absolutely vital to communities, and states take a very uh, territorial state-by-state approach and don't look at the overall picture. 
Uh, and so it is a very bad outcome if water is uh, water approval is, is, is diluted that way. So I had two amendments I wanted to move, um, and the government did not want to be seen voting against them. No. Didn't well, want to engage on them, and so suspended standing orders to move straight to a third reading vote and not do a consideration in detail. So the, the upshot is that it has now been rammed through. It has been the new EPBC Act has now been rammed through the parliament and it has been passed into law. Is that what has happened? It's not law yet. It's been passed into the lower house. It still has to pass the Senate. So I would urge everyone who is very worried about this protection of our environment and biodiversity uh, to write to senators who still have to vote on it when they, the Senate will next be sitting, especially crossbench senators, because they actually hold the balance of power in the Senate. Mm. I saw your amendments uh, on the parliamentary website, I think. They were listed uh, as you circulated them formally, as you said, um, and they seemed very reasonable. It seems, could you run through just a little bit of the, the gist of your amendments you did uh, attempt to yes. move? Look, the, the two amendments that I wanted to move, one was in relation to water resources and water trigger. So who should determine approval of water rights, for example, when large coal mining projects are applying to have access to water. Uh, and I would argue this is something that Commonwealth should gain, uh, you know, it should stay up within the power of Commonwealth. This should not be divested to states. No. Uh, water resources, we know, are incredibly complex uh, and flow, you know, flow from state to state. Uh, this is not a good provision. Uh, the other amendment was about the National Environmental Standards, which is a key part of the interim review report. And it's to ensure that if the... So the government is moving to a one-stop shop. So mm. they're divesting the Commonwealth from power with power and saying the states will be the approval process for projects in terms of environmental impact. But they have not included in the legislation a national standard, environmental standard. So from a state by state, you'll have a completely, uh, you know, maybe different priority and different standard applied to why uh, a project like coal mine or gas fracking mm. might be approved. So it, it's really concerning. And this completely flies in the face of the Graham Samuels report. Yep. Um, it, it jumps the gun in that we only had an interim report. The final report hasn't been released yet. So it, it was... Uh, look, it, it was bad legislation from an environmental point of view, but the process, the government, uh, and the way the government conducted themselves was appalling. Yes, and and I mean, like, why would we trust a government that says, "Trust me, we'll we'll implement," uh, you know, the the standards for this legislation once we've ripped it, you know, the legislation that we've got currently in place down. Uh, absolutely, and look, there was absolute, there was no justification for doing it the way they did it yesterday. Um, that's a more concerning part. Mm. There, there was, you know, this idea that it's done under the pretext of COVID, that it's about cutting green tape to accelerate our recovery, is absolute rubbish. Yeah. The kind of projects that need to gain approval under an EPBC Act are projects that take two to five years to get up and running. Mm. So none of this is part of a quick recovery to build jobs and get get, get communities, um, you know, get money flowing to communities or work flowing in relation to, you know, coming out of a, the pandemic. Mm. So uh, it is all being done under a completely false pretext mm. to facilitate uh, projects that would 
uh, be highly likely to, you know, further damage the environment um, to get a quicker approval process. And the part that is so frustrating is this is coming in the very same week as we have the report from the New South Wales inquiry into the bushfires, yes. the emergency leaders um, report on the bushfires and all the recommendations that highlight how at risk our communities now are from climate change impacts mm. and um, a, a real deterioration of the environment. And unless we reverse this trend, uh, we are absolutely on a path to disaster. Absolutely, yes. Um, well, we've got um, you know the, the existential threat to our civilization as it's been described. But speaking of climate uh, change and climate action, you have been leading the charge in the parliament in many respects with your uh, Climate Act, which you have been uh, proposing and promoting. Uh, can you give us a, a quick uh, briefing on that? Yeah, look, the, uh, so one of my chief, uh, I guess, commitments to my electorate you know, on the election was to try and be a sensible voice for climate change policy, though we need to end the climate wars. And, you know, I think uh, the previous member for Oringa was uh, a key key, uh, ingredient to those wars and to the dysfunctional uh, policy we have. So uh, very much uh, looking at the UK legislation where they passed the Climate Change Bill in uh, a Climate Change Act in 2008, um, putting in place a framework legislation which seeks to basically lock in a goal. So from a bipartisan point of view, we should be united to acknowledge we need to lock in to get to net zero by 2050. This is the requirement, the minimum requirement under the um, Paris Agreement in terms of keeping global warming temperatures under two degrees and Mm. as close to 1.5 as possible. Mm. Um, Now, we have all states and territories are committed in policy or legislation to net zero, so this really should not be controversial. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> exactly. I mean, all our large corporations are committed uh, and, and are progressing to it. So to lock that in as a goal and then work your way backwards by having uh, the, the climate change bill provides for five-year emission reduction plans. So a little bit like if you're planning uh, to reach a major goal, how do you get there? You don't just get there without planning. You have to set in place a good structure. Mm. Um, but also, which is really important, the bill provides for... Uh, a risk assessment. So all our sectors are exposed to climate change impacts and we need to know what those risks are so that we can properly adapt for them. Um, And then the bill provides for resilience and adaptation planning because communities need to prepare themselves and we also need to transition certain communities from a workforce point of view um, and identify what the risks are. Uh, And of course, with all of this, because it is so politicised, to have independent advice, so to establish an independent climate change commission that can clearly um, and independently report to the Australian people on how we're doing across all sectors, where are the risks, and uh, make recommendations to government. The government is then free to decide how it wants to follow those recommendations. So Mm. I've relaunched the, the campaign the Climate Change Bill will be introduced to Parliament in November this year, right. which ironically is when we should have been at COP26 for yeah. the Paris Agreement. Um, and I will continue to lobby really hard for this legislation. This is a sensible plan. Um, it is not... Uh, 
partisan or political. You know, this is a down-the-middle plan. Yeah, quite quite no the opposite part- from partisan and political. When you legislate the solution for, for, for the future, it, it takes all of that uh, partisanship out, doesn't it? Absolutely. And look, you, ironically, you had uh, the Premier of New South Wales quoted recently, you know, in a, doing a uh, conversation with uh, the uh, ex-Prime Minister of the UK, Theresa May, talking about how it's stuff of dreams legislating a net zero framework bill the way um, the way the UK have. So, mm. you know, and this is a coalition state government. Yeah. So it really is the federal government is out of step. Step with everyone else. So, so, so obviously, more and more obviously, as you've just listed the the various different players who are uh, the, who are leaving them way behind. So, what can we do? What can the people who are listening today uh, do to to help support this important legislation? Really, thank you. I mean, I am only one but I am supported by an amazing community. And it is actually, this is how it got done in the UK. The Climate Change Act was passed in the UK as a result of a private member's bill introduced to Parliament and a Friends of the Earth campaign where people got behind it. Mm. So that's why we've established a website called climateactnow.com.au where people can get information about the bill. They can get information about what does net zero mean, where are the risks, where are the opportunities, and they can register their support and see how they can get involved. So really important to let your MP, let your government know. Talk about it with your friends. Share it on social media. We need to spread the word. Um, Survey after survey says that 80% of Australians are concerned about climate change. Well, I really need Australians to show up. Australians need to step up to this challenge. Stop putting this issue off to later mm. and engage with it now because it will be it, it will be so much harder and, and so many of the consequences will be irreversible if we don't take action now yes as you say this is uh, you know like it, it, it's about short-circuiting that uh, partisanship that is that australians generally find uh, sickening they're sick to the back teeth of uh, of being uh, watching people play clownish antics uh, to, to get a, a one-upmanship to score a point on each other you as an independent uh you know sponsoring this bill uh you know it should be the catalyst that we really uh, that we really need to get the public behind you Absolutely. And people, um, look, people can do a lot within their own lives about emissions and your footprint. And I think we all need to take responsibility uh, and do the best we can. But we also need to take responsibility for who represents us. Systemic uh, change. Absolutely. You you do need leadership. Uh, As Theresa may say, you do need to lock in some legislation to give policy certainty to ensure the private sector can really know that they can invest for the long term in technologies. Um, and a lot of people are talking about, well, in this pandemic, you know, can we really worry about this now? Absolutely. We have an opportunity to um, focus on a clean recovery. The government is having to spend huge amounts of money towards um, pulling the economy out of recession. We know that. But if you can invest wisely and invest mm. in future jobs and future technologies, so focusing on a clean recovery, and there's nothing um, unusual with this. The UK are doing it. Germany are doing it. Absolutely. The EU are doing it. Canada are doing it. You know, mm. This is what everyone else is doing. Mm. Um, you will future-proof your economy. Absolutely. 
So we have a Prime Minister and a Minister for Emissions who seem hell-bent on uh, ignoring the science and the economics and every other voice of sense and reason. You spoke up in Parliament uh, recently and on your website it uh, uh, says uh, Zali Stegall MP corners the Morrison government on gas-led projects. Uh, now, if I just quickly read from some of your questions, if the government is serious about delivering jobs and future-proofing the economy, then it will commit to a clean recovery. Will your government implement a transparent economic merit-based assessment of projects and prioritise jobs and Australia's future over support for gas and coal projects? Now, I've played a, uh, a, a, the audio of that earlier in the show as I was introducing this segment, but um, what, how would you res- respond to the answers that you got from the, the Prime Minister and our, our Minister for Emissions? Yeah, look, you know, about 10 years ago, people always talked that it was, you know, environment or the economy. It is actually, ironically, now environment and the economy. Mm. Uh, All studies show that for the same money invested in a renewable project versus a fossil fuel project, and let's be clear, gas is a fossil fuel project, um, you get uh, uh, nearly three times more jobs. So 7.6 more jobs in a renewable project to 2.6 in a fossil fuel project. So... At a point where we are in the, the deepest recession you know, in a very long time, a huge amount of Australians are unemployed, the government has an absolute duty to turn to the technologies that will employ the most people and that will provide the most benefit. And that's what I meant by my question, that will the government implement a merit-based assessment of projects? Because at the moment, they are talking about these projects, these gas projects that will cost billions of public dollars for for no real case. There is no proper merit assessment being done. And the irony that a coalition government would present that approach Mm. um, is that this is not free market policy. This is not... Uh, this is not sensible economic management. No, I, I used to say of Phony Tony that he, is, he, he was a Stalinist. He wasn't a free marketeer or a liberal. He was, he was uh, you know, all for a command economy where we just eat more coal. And they, they all seem to be carrying on. The Scummo regime seems to be doing the same basic sort of North Korean uh, economic modelling. And yeah, look, at the moment there's, there's real concern. And, and I talked to backbenchers and they you know, privately disagree, but none of them have the courage of their convictions to actually speak out. Mm. And so they're ultimately as useful as deniers. <laughs> um, because if I, you know, I, I get really frustrated with these so-called modern liberals who sell a picture to their electorate that they're going to act on climate change and environment and they believe the science. But when push comes to shove, they don't stand up for it. They don't stand up for their opinion and they vote for the same bad legislation as the people that don't even believe the science. Mm, mm. Well, that's why we need uh, free-thinking uh, independents like yourself, uh, people of, of good character and good faith who are going to stand up for uh, what they and the community that, uh, that they represent believes in. Absolutely. Look, I think uh, you know the value of the crossbench and more robust debate and accountability in, in go- of government is really important. Um, so I would definitely urge people. Um, you know, the the rumor is that we would probably be in an election next year. Yeah. Um, that uh, people really consider independence because there needs to be better scrutiny. Absolutely. Well, how do you find working with the crossbench and, and the uh, you know the other, the various different parties in in the parliament? Now uh, we've discussed the prime minister and the liberals, but what what how do you find the crossbench? How do you find working with the ALP on all of these things? Uh, yeah, 
yeah, look, I certainly enjoy being an independent. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the crossbench is really good. Uh, we are incredibly collaborative and uh, supportive of one another, even across, you know, um, uh, especially in the lower house. Uh, I work closely with Rebecca Sharkey and Helen Haynes. Um, uh, Adam Bant and Andrew Wilkie probably not quite as closely. They tend to be maybe more left-leaning. But overall, we all stand for very firm principles of good governance you know, merit assessment, um, you know, that there be accountability. We're all pushing for an integrity commission. So we work really well together and reach across to the Senate and across things there. Um, in terms of, look, we're part of the opposition. Uh, so we are, you know, technically the term is we get whipped in Parliament by the opposition whip, which is the Labor, uh, Chris Hayes. So we meet uh, every sitting uh, in Parliament, we will meet with Tony Burke, the Manager of Opposition Business, uh, discuss any issues the crossbench has with Labor. Um, the relationship, is, you know, my job as a crossbencher is to work with both government and the opposition. Mm. It, it really is to both sides. Mm. Um, so I discuss with the opposition my proposed amendments, my proposed legislation. Uh, they support the net zero by 2050 of the climate change bill. Um, so it, it is really important to work with both sides. Mm. Look, that being said, the, you know some of the silly games in Parliament happen on both sides. Yeah. Uh, let's be really clear. There is uh, push and shove from both sides. And what I would like to see is a lot more independent thinking MPs mm. that are in Parliament putting their communities first instead of towing party lines. Yeah. Well, Zali, yeah, strength your arm. And uh, on that note, I think we uh, probably should wrap it up. I know you're very busy. Thank you so much for speaking to Environmental as Anything today. My pleasure. That was Zali Stegel, independent MP for the federal seat of Warringah, uh, speaking to us about the uh, EPBC Act, uh, the Climate Act, and uh, her efforts to corner the government into some kind of uh, sensible policies on these issues. In the right place at exactly the right moment in time. I stepped out of the car upon the great dividing range and got behind the tree. I could tell there was a change coming Singing down the wind But I listened to it sing Looked across the valley Sky and trees and stone Right into the guts Of this country's ancient bones And I felt it stirring in the middle Like a living song line I was in the right place At exactly the right moment Singing, this is not yours, this is not mine. We are not passengers, we will not get in line. Well, I looked at my oracle and I saw the rising sea, and a hungry summer coming in at a million degrees, and the ice caps. Melting and the hailstones pelting, and a conga line of politicians hellbent on helping themselves. And I saw people rising up and running out of time, headed out to country, 
to get on the front line singing, this is not yours, this is not mine, we are not passengers, we will not get in line. If not me, who? If not now, when? You and I will never have this moment again. Here by necessity, but not by design. We are in the right place at exactly the right moment in time. Gather up your weary tunes and sing them to the skies Don't believe a word of the politician's lies Get yourself some slogans, try to make them rhyme Stand up for the rivers, stand up for the reef Stand up for the forests, for the First Nations grief Stand up against coal miners Against the coal seam gas, stand against enough natural world, stand up against the fascists. If not me, who? If not now, when? You and I will never have this moment again. Here by necessity, but not by design. We are in the right place at exactly the right moment. If not me, who? If not now, when? You and I will never have this moment again. Here by necessity, but not by design. We are in the right place at exactly the right moment in time. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental As Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.